0: Now, Now. real people, real opinions, nighttime talk with Niall Boylan, Ireland's classic hits radio. So let's go to Sarah Horgan from the Echo Live. Sarah, good evening to you.
1: I promise not to stress you out. I won't stress you out.
0: I appreciate (laughs) it. I really appreciate it. Sarah, today is a very sad day. (laughs) It's a very sad day for our listeners. It's a very sad day for me. And it's a very sad day for you too, but happy in another way. We'll talk about that in a second. But this is your yeah. last Cork stories.
1: It's our last hurrah. <laughs> we'll say that so makes us sound a bit more positive. So we, we need to know? go out with a
0: bang. Let's get sued or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. Say something mad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, I feel like I want to leave loads of destruction in my wake, like in those films when you see people walking away from bur- burning buildings, you know, yeah. it will all be, yeah. Yeah, with I, their I hair blowing,
0: or so you have a vision of yourself walking away with the wind blowing through your hair and the fire in the background.
1: Is that how you pictured it too? Are that correct <laughs> that, stories? Yeah.
0: No, that, that's how I pictured what you were just telling me there. You know, like, shh, and you're like, you don't care, or you've got this face of, you know, victory on you.
1: Yeah, I, I'm feeling it.
0: Okay. So it, it is your last Cork Stories. And by the way, mm-hmm. good luck in your new career. I know you're moving on. I don't want to talk about that unless you want to talk about it on the air. You're quite welcome to talk about it if you want to. But good luck in your new career. We all wish you the best of success going forward.
1: So it's it's the Irish Examiner. So it's only, it's, Down it's the road. only across <laughs> the other side of the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's 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 very exciting because I'm going back to people who I would have started off um, in the Echo with, and we've mm-hmm. all moved around, and yeah. So it's 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 a good day. It's a good will day.
0: Will you, you miss? Day. Will you miss the? I suppose the Echo will be more for the kind of locals. Well, I mean the Examiner does local stories too, but not those kind of odyssey-type stories, you know what I mean? The Examiner would do some of that, but not as much as The Echo. The Echo would be very much more very local. It's like local radio and independent radio, say, in Dublin versus independent radio in Kerry, whereas, you know, in the morning, they'll have, the, you know, the bingo and the debt notices. Like, we would never, obviously, do something like that. But so it's a kind of different feel to it, hasn't it?
1: It does, and I think that's the the joy of regional newspapers and regional media, isn't it? That yeah. It, it's it, there's so much there's so much heart in it like if you watch the show afterlife where ricky
0: oh what a great surveys, show yeah
1: yeah he he paints a perfect picture he just has um has us down to a t i just watch it and i just feel that warm feeling and it's always these stories that you think would be really boring that are the most the, yeah, he's the only man the by the way who can make de- rewarded. Yeah. De- the only man
0: who can make depression and misery funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's hilarious. It's brilliant that show. All right. Now let's move on to our stories for today. We'll come back to that in a few minutes because this is our last one, so let's make it good. A woman whose partner was given the option of switching off her life support machine following a brain surgery complication spoke about how she defied the odds to get her life back. What a great story.
1: So I should explain what I've done is I've picked all my best stories from over the years. Since it's the last one, I wanted to pick out the highlights. So, just I did a a kind of a trajectory, if you will. So, this this one was from 2015, I think it was. It was a woman. Her her name was Lucy Martin, and her partner was given the option of switching off her life support machine after a brain surgery complication he so what happened was her Lucy Martin's partner Sam at the time he refused he he said even he would if he was just left with her smile it would be enough and amazingly Lucy fought back and she's doing really well now there are some side effects um, obviously yeah, um, yeah. she's a lucky movement in one of her arms but doing wow. un- unbelievably well There, it was quite minimal when, when i met her the um obviously the the damage that that um there, there's a lot of damage that you can see that she spoke about but what was most fascinating was her time in a coma because she was she was she was a few weeks in this induced coma, and she said she, in her mind, she was awake. So it was playing out like this living nightmare, and she said it, it was almost like the twilight zone for three weeks. Imagine going through that.
0: And did and she? By the way, sorry for it, but when she said she was awake, did she say she could hear things, like or hear people in the ward, or hear people in her room, or it
1: was a is. She could hear certain things, but it was a completely different, um, alternate universe.
0: Right, like out of body experience type of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. So she said she, in in her mind, she was being held as a, as this prisoner, and she had no control over herself, her thoughts, her any any of it. She said it was there was this infection that was raging. In, in her brain and she she thought her family were in danger and she was looking for her partner and the kids in an under in this underground cave wow. trying to figure a way out it's like a bad nightmare. at one yeah. point yeah she said at one point she could she could smell this burning and she believed that that oil had been poured over her family it, it got really dark but as she travelled through these um, visions she got to a point where it was like heaven she said it was the closest thing to heaven she's ever seen that there was these there was these people that were with their grandchildren being reunited with them and she saw uh, she she, she heard this, this music this beautiful music and everything was really tranquil so she was comparing herself at the time to Alice in Wonderland she was saying when she woke up that she, she was just like Alice Alice in Wonderland, you know, where mm. everything was, everything felt so real and she couldn't figure out whether yeah. this was a dream. Which just goes or to show you, doesn't it, doesn't it by happened. the
0: way, you know, doctors differ and patients die, as they say. And at that particular time, maybe, I don't know, maybe doctors were recommending or nurses were recommending Listen, unfortunately, sorry, Sam, you know, you may have to turn off the machine or whatever or recommending it and... There she comes. And I, I've seen, I remember watching a documentary one night and there was a man in America and he was on a co- in a coma for nearly a year and a half. And his family fought through the courts to keep him on life support machine because the hospital wanted to turn it off. He came out of the coma after about a year and a half. And he's, he's okay now. He still gets a bit of physiotherapy and stuff like that. He's a little bit of a brain injury, you know, but he's okay, you know. And I'm going, wow, after a year and a half. Anyway, moving on. A Roma taxi driver who experienced racial abuse from passengers spoke about tackling the stigma he claimed was surrounding his own community.
1: Yeah, this was an amazing man. He, he is an amazing man. No no longer living in Cork, but at the time in 2019, he was doing so much work in the community. Um, Luciano, Ulita uh, is his name, and... He was volunteering as a pastor, so he he was determined to get more Roma people into employment to break the cycle for future generations. He said that he felt that all Roma people were being tired with the same brush, and mm-hmm. it got to a point where the abuse was so bad in his taxi alone that he had to pretend that he was Italian. And he, he, what he wanted to do was try and... and changed things and changed people's perceptions. And what stuck out for me was how he, he how he dreamt of his dream, not just for himself, but for other people. And he said, I want to say, see a day in Cork where there's Roma, not just Roma taxi drivers, but Roma nurses, Roma doctors, Roma judges. And his biggest achievement I think, was teaching people how to read because there were so many um, people in the Roma community that didn't know how to read. And Mm -hmm. it's so difficult when you're older to absorb things. You don't absorb them like you do when when you're young. So he he, he taught so many people how to read and got everybody um, everybody um, back into community service. And the people that were coming to him that were begging and stealing, the way he looked at it was, well, they're, they're still coming to mass. But that's the, so isn't that the reputation, still still unfortunately?
0: You know, when we talk about Roma's, the reputation. You mentioned the word Roma. And I, I had a friend years ago who was Romanian. And he even said to me, he said, you know, people need to understand that Roma and Romanian are slightly different. He said, not all Roma's come from Romania. Uh, some come from Egypt and other parts of the world as well. So, but the problem is, is that most people, I suppose, have this view You know, and their only view, because that's all they see, of Romas are people who are begging on the streets or, I don't know, shoplifting, which is certainly not the case, by the way, that all Romas don't do things like that. But that's, isn't that the perception?
1: It it can be. But what he was saying at the time was that the younger generation, they don't know stealing or begging. They're in school and learning. Everything's so different now. There's... (laughs) there's more opportunity for people and mm. more opportunities for integration so he said at the time that he was working really hard so as, as I was saying we once I have the Roma Guardi solicitors and um, yeah. university students and they had he had one person at the time that he linked in with who was studying to become a solicitor so that was that was heartening there is a there, there's a a woman i know um in u c c and she 's a lecturer and she 's Roma. So yeah, I think it's it's about shining a light on these stories as well, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. There are more of them. There are more people out there. It's nice
0: to hear the positive stories, not just the negative ones. Is the, the point, and and it really is nice to hear those stories. Anyway, a group of young Cork friends managed to sidestep the Irish rental crisis after clubbing together to live on a yacht. Yeah, that sounds like my idea of life. <laughs> I hope, I wonder, is the yacht in Cork or in the Mediterranean? Where 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 is the yacht?
1: So that was in two thousand and nineteen, so let me refresh my memory for a moment the that the, there was these group of uh cork um cork young men will say they're in their twenties um evan lottie mark Kenny, david leahy um the names go on but there's there's a good few here I can't name them all so um they all decided that, uh, that they they were abroad, I think they were in Australia, and um, they managed to blag this uh, yacht worth 300k just to rent for a journey off the coast of Queensland. And they didn't know how to sail a lot uh, at all, but a uh, yacht at all, but they... Uh, Discovered that you don't need a license to sail it, so they decided to go for it. And they said, at first they were just spinning around for about forty-five minutes, and they couldn't even sail directly into the wind. And they, tra- they were traveling in the zigzag motion, but they had a taste for it, none the, the less. And that was their first foray into sailing, left this la- lasting impression. So. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long before they hatched this plan to buy a yacht of their own and the reason being was they were thinking they were hearing about the rental crisis in cork and they were thinking well what's the point in going home and struggling why don't we club together and live and live in a yacht and astonishingly the friends all managed to get jobs together the cost of living in ireland was too high so um they were saving up the money that they had there uh, so that they could make the stream a reality and nine of them got jobs working in the tunnels in sydney it was really hard work and an average of 68 hours a week and they stopped drinking at weekends and spent a lot of their time researching which really paid off and uh ended up buying this yacht and, they were initially they planned to um, to send someone over to Malaysia to to view it, um, but they were told that it would be sold by the time they made it over. So they took um, <laughs> they, they they took a risk, but it it paid off for them. They they bought the book Sailing for Dummies, and I think they were about two years actually uh, honing their craft, and uh, they set off on on this voyage. Now I didn't check in with them, but um, uh, as we know, COVID happened the following year. So I'm guessing that probably scuppered their plans. But they got to see they got to see a lot of the world.
0: Yeah, I, do you know what? It's something that a lot of people would love to do is just to go onto a yacht, you know, for a, a year or two and just you know sail around the world. Now obviously you have to know what you're doing, <laughs> but to, to you know and have enough provisions and enough money to do it. But it, it does sound like a bit of freedom, doesn't it?
1: It does. I wonder if we put our money together, how much do you have and how much do I have?
0: pence. Oh, I should see what I have here. Yeah. Um, sixty-seven cent, I think.
1: We could buy we could buy a dinghy or something for <laughs> like a little mini adventure to Cove or someplace or Spike Island.
0: Maybe. Yeah, we could get, Karen has, I think she has about four, four pound. We could maybe pull up with Karen.
1: Oh yeah, that would, that will that will carry us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Karen will carry yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can you, see you, why, why, why you married Karen. Well, yeah, well, I hope, I hope, I hope, he, I hope you signed a prenup for yeah, Karen's sake. Yeah.
0: yeah, you'd be rowing. Myself and Karen would be just sitting there, obviously, you'd be doing the rowing. Uh, anyway, sorry. A remarkable dog who lost two of her legs to cancer <laughs> capture the imagination of Corconians in 2020 after learning to run again. Now, I have seen some wonderful operations done on animals recently, uh, particularly with that doctor, what's his name, the, their vet, the Irish guy in England, has the, he has his own TV show. Oh, God, his name's gone out of my head. Anyway, he's brilliant, but it is expensive.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it's, I was I was talking to your vet a couple of months ago and she was saying that so many people complain about the, the price, but... Um, but any treatment is expensive, isn't it? When you think of is, yeah. how um, yeah, how much it, it costs for us humans. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you would do anything to hold on to your dog for a little longer. Of course you, so?
0: you, of course you would. Everybody would. But there's a kind of limit. I think people do get to a point where they go, OK, you know, I can get all those tumours removed. It'll cost me two grand in you know the veterinary hospital. But, you know, the chances are they're going to come back again and the dog is 13 years old. So you have to be logical. Yeah,
1: yeah. You it's see, like you're not you're you not, do not do gonna anything. like if
0: you're 92 years of age, you're probably not going to go on chemotherapy at 92 years of age. Do you know what I mean? Well, it
1: depends. Like it depends on on the dog. You know, yeah. if the dog is maybe on, you would. On I don't know. Maybe or, yeah.
0: I think some people um, would probably say at 92 or when you're old that and doctors would say it's not worth the risk sometimes of of dealing. You know, of, of having surgery.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. I know. sorry. You've taken me down to the, down this rabbit hole again. Yeah. So we'll get back to so this is an American bulldog called Floss, right? Okay. And he lived in McCroom and shared a bed with a hen named Lucy. Um, he they're best friends. Can you imagine a dog best friends with a hen? That's lovely, isn't it? So he uh, he almost didn't make it after this cancer diagnosis that would have been november of 2019 and his owner dion irwin had traveled for an hour to um, see floss every day during her month-long stay at sunbeam veterinary hospital in blackpool so they really didn't think that she was going to make it and she used to bring her in cake to lift her spirits and it was this courgette and cinnamon one made from the special dog recipe that you found online. So this dog is very loved. And um, remarkably, this this guy or this girl Flops learns to run again on two legs. It has to be seen to be believed. Have you ever seen a dog running on on two legs?
0: I can imagine what it looks like. I can only imagine.
1: Because I couldn't. I had to watch the video. Um, but this this dog ended up making making it onto Virgin Media News and everything. So well, I think I vaguely remember that. actually.
0: Yeah, I do. I think I do vaguely remember that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we broke the we broke the story, but Sloss everybody just fell in love with Sloss, and the they time.
0: do. I've seen this before. Dogs do learn to do it, so they walk upright on two legs. And, and they learned if they've lost their other two legs they actually learn to survive like that and they learned to run around I've seen a couple of videos of dogs with two legs running around constantly all the time with their back legs you know
1: yeah they uh, when, when you take I, I think self-doubt is a big barrier to our <laughs> success isn't it as humans and a lot of the time and they don't have that so they just get on with it don't yeah. they dogs
0: yeah absolutely yeah, they don't really care as much as we do about things like that. They just adapt. But listen, uh, Sarah, thank you very much indeed for your final story. We'll always remember that final story about the little dog floss. <laughs> and genuinely, and we sincerely mean it, myself and Jane, you've been wonderful over the last, how many months now? It must be six, seven months now at this stage. You've been wonderful. It's
1: nearly a year. Is it? You know that? Oh, God. I remember the first time I was so nervous.
0: And now look at you. Not a bother. You know, not a bother. I didn't
1: mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. But I was going to <laughs> go to Toastma- I was going to go to Toastmasters at the time, and then you came along. So you were you were like the Toastmasters in the end. I didn't have to
0: do it. <laughs> but look, we really appreciate it. There's been some wonderful stories of it. We should, Jane. You should have really put together like a compilation. We should have been professional about this. Put together a compilation of Sarah's stories with some sad music in the background or something like that. Oh, yeah,
1: showing all my best bits. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'd well. say she has. Okay, well, see, yeah. she said
0: she does want to play something here. Okay, hold on a second. We do have something here. Go ahead. Play it, Jane. What's that? What is that, Jane? No, turn off Bambi Thug, will you? God's sake. What's? Why is she playing Bambi Thug? She's a bit obsessed with oh, that. I oh, love,
1: I love Bambi Thug.
0: Oh, no. That's because you're a Cocolian.
1: No, I know because I met Bambi Tug. No one, believe, no one would believe this now. But I met Bambi Tug on the bus about eleven years ago, twelve years ago. Right. And
0: was she screaming? I
1: took, the, took, 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 um, the picture. Uh, took their picture for the paper
0: oh, at right. the time. So okay. I still have
1: that photograph. So I feel like I look at you being all politically opinion. correct
0: by saying they took and took their their picture.
1: You see, no, because I, yeah, the I, I don't know, I'll, yeah, it's, it's safer, isn't it? <laughs> right. I, no, but I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you about Bambi Tug, right? So I was interviewing Bambi Tug on the bus, and everybody else was talking about what they they because it was an, a column for on the buses, you know. Okay. And um, this this column I did. So she t- um, they told me that they had a dream, right? Yeah. Um, that they were being chased by a badger. And they're running away from the badger, and then the badger turned into their best friend from college and asked them for a can of Coke.
0: That's what me Tog told you. Yeah. Wonderful. It's so enlightening, isn't it?
1: <laughs> but it was di- it was di- it was different, wasn't it?
0: Well, <laughs> at least when you know when Bobby Tog is famous, you know, and hugely famous around the world, you can come out as that reporter who once interviewed her about the badger. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think yeah, it's going to work out to Yeah, exactly. Oh, but listen, Sarah, exactly. thank you very much indeed for the last nearly a year at this stage. Thank you very much indeed. We really, really appreciate it. You've been wonderful. We had some great stories, some good laughs. It's been fun. And we really wish you the best. We, Jane, myself and Jane, wish you the best in your career going forward and success.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Thank you very much. See you, Sarah. Bye. Ah. That's the end of Sarah. Not literally, obviously. Now, Now. real people, real opinions Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan Ireland's classic hits radio